Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. How good is it to record after a win? I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matthew. How good is it? <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, I haven't been so excited the way we won it as well. Incredible. Um, it's a good feeling, Scott. It's uh, something that we haven't been able to do much this year, unfortunately. But um, fantastic to be out at ANZ Stadium on um, last weekend and uh, to be there when Bulldogs secured just their third win of the 2020 LRL season. Well, last week I said that we'll almost, it was going to be an impossible task to beat South, or almost impossible, I said. I mean, I was wrong. We gave it a bit, such a bleak review of the preview. match coming up. Preview, sorry. Sorry, yes, preview of the match coming up against Souths. We gave us no chance, but we walk away with the two points and also winning, actually, fairly comfortable as well. Yeah, it takes us off the bottom of the ladder, uh, puts us into second last. The Broncos are last, so a lot riding on this week's Broncos game. So go Cowboys. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we should give bleak previews every every week. Well, we might be doing one later on, if you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, let's jump into the news I mean, some of this has been covered a little bit, but it's been confirmed. The Bulldogs have confirmed their coaching squad for next season. Of course, Trent Barrett is the head coach, currently the assistant at Penrith Panthers. So he gets a first uh, uh, close-up look on the action for the Bulldogs on Saturday at ANZ Stadium. He'll be there. Uh, David Ferner will be the assistant coach, uh, known for his coaching gig at the Raiders. He's also the assistant for the Rabbitohs. What do you think of the... Signing of David Ferner. Well, I was a bit iffy. His coaching career at the Raiders was up and down, but he went on to coach with Souths, assistant coach with Souths, uh, in a two-year stint, which was a pretty successful two years for Souths, before going up to Newcastle and being there this year. Uh, Newcastle, yes, they're not favourites to win. They're probably not going to win, but it's the first finals appearance, so I think, in a long time. They had the second longest drought since 2013 to make the finals, so... Yeah, I think it's the first time in seven years. Yeah, um, which is the second longest drought on finals. So, and David Ferner was a part of that. So, something to be proud of. So, yeah, I'm a bit mixed with the signing. Um, he seems to have done really well as a sister coach around the league, though. So, hopefully, that continues. I, I remember him coaching Canberra. I wasn't too fond of him there. He only he lasted less than a year of a three year deal with the Leeds Rhinos as head coach, um, which is not which is not fantastic. But, again, you've already listed uh, where he's been as an assistant coach and the success he's had as an assistant coach. So hopefully um, he could bring that success as an assistant coach to the Bulldogs and we don't really need a head coach. So you could argue that those records at Canberra and Leeds don't really matter because we haven't hired him as a head coach. Um, but hopefully uh, he's able to work with Trent uh, and they're able to do it really well. Said it really said it nicely there. Craig Sindercock will be also... Sandercock. Sandercock. I'm reading off a phone. Uh, also <laughs> the assistant coach. He's currently assistant coach with the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, make that with you will. They haven't beaten the top eight team this season. As yet. Canterbury have done that twice. Uh, just putting that I out think, there. He's, I think he's head coach Tol KR before. We spoke yeah. about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's been fairly successful uh, in what he's done. Um, but I think he's... He's obviously going to be the junior partner in the assistant coaching ranks. Um, so he might be there for uh, learning more than... Well, obviously he'll contribute, but um, 
just another progression in his career. Mm, he worked closely with Des Hasler in the 2008 Grand Final winning season for Manly. So that's a pretty cool thing to have on your resume, I guess. Also worked with Newcastle Knights and West Tigers as well on his resume. I don't think anything to do with Manly on your resume is a cool thing. Well, Trent Barrett, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we got two of them, don't we? <laughs> uh, another a transition coach, David Tang. Tangai Toa will be the transition coach. He's worked with the Penrith Panthers and coaching junior rep sides between 2013 and 2018. He's uh, is the current assistant coach of the North Queensland Cowboys and also the assistant coach of the Tongan side. So we've seen how good Tonga's been recently. So Interesting um, transition coach. I feel this is one of the first times I've seen that be announced. Like I'm sure a lot of um, clubs around the NRL have similar types of position, helping players transition from reserve grade into the NRL. But I've never seen a club announce this is our, tr- our transition coach. So um, hopefully he does a good a good job. And I wonder if there's more need for it now that we don't have a reserve grade team. Mm, yeah, I'm just wondering with the transition, I wonder where it kind of stops. If he's doing it from the reserves from the Mounties next year to the NRL... If he is be working with the under twenties to the Mounties, what like is he working the whole way down? Yeah, the way I, I understand it, it's NRL down. Okay, yeah. Oh, so I think down to at least uh, the way I understand it was uh, transitioning between the NRL and reserve grade. Uh, okay. But that could possibly include under twenty ones making the under twenties making the step up to reserve grade as well. Uh, I wonder if it's more of a sort of a mental. Sort of role. Mm, yeah. Training two weeks at the Dogs, two weeks at Mounties, you're in between first grade and playing for a team that doesn't even have the same colours. Um, but also uh, just performing in the top yeah, level. That's right. I, I, is it more of a mental side of things to help players mentally deal with jumping up and down between mm. the Bulldogs and our side and the Mounties reserve grade squad? Mm. Uh, Mick Potter as announced before, the former Bulldog Daily M winner. It will be the Mounties coach, uh, apparently working very closely with Trent Barrett to make sure the sides that Trent Barrett has a bit of a say, which he should, obviously, in the New South Cup side, to make sure those players, you know, getting enough time who are not making the top-grade squad. Yeah, I think we've talked about this one before earlier, too. Um, I'm not a fan of it, to be honest. It sounds like we've hired the Mounties head coach. If I was involved in the Mounties in any way, I would not be happy with that situation. Mm, agreed, uh, that's, agreed. That's their highest graded team, and they're being told by somebody else who can coach it. Um, yeah, and he's going to be working with um, Trent, Trent Barrett, uh, as you said, will be able to have a say in how the Mouthy squad lines up, which I disagree with again. Yes, because it's not... the fact it's different clubs. Like, if this is the situation we want going forward between reserve grade and LRL, they'll have the bloody Bulldogs. Kinderman makes their Bulldogs play in the reserve grade competition because that's how that relationship works. And it always has mm-hmm. done. Not with this feeder-affiliated club setup. It's ridiculous. I'm actually quite surprised that Mick Potter, we've mentioned I know on previous podcasts, Bradford Bulls coach, actually volunteered a period of his time as head coach when the club was going, had some administration problems. Um, also coached with the West Tigers if that's how some people remember him like as most recent head coaching job. 
a bit surprised he didn't get an assistant role. Yeah, well, I guess you could argue that this is kind of an assistant role if he's head coaching the Canterbury Cup squad while communicating with Trent Barrett on how best to play. It's probably just a step down from the assistant role, but um, in some ways very much assistant-like. We've mm. used the example of the Roosters and the Bears before with Jason Taylor. Yes, he was yep. an assistant coach, and you could say he stepped down, but he became the head coach of the Bears, but he still works with closely with the Roosters and Trent Robertson. So, mm. similar situation. Well, yeah, and I suppose also coaching your squad as well. I mean, you know, that's be pretty exciting for him. Like, it's now somewhat... Un- yes, I know he's got a, a bigger person in charge being Trent Barrett. Help, obviously, having a say in the squad, but also having your own team. On game day, he doesn't have Trent Barrett there pulling the, sh- the strings of interchanges or s- certain positions. There'll be some up to him. So, again, and he's in charge of actually training the actual training all the time. Yeah, Trent Barrett will be there from time to time. But he'll be the main person. And when Trent Barrett's there, I'm not going to imagine he's going to take control, complete control of the show. He's just going to be there supporting. You'll no, be, be there as an observer. But, um, yeah, yeah. And supporting and making sure that these players are going to transition nicely to top grade. So. Okay, what's next on the list, Scotty? Uh, Lachlan Lewis is recovering okay, or pretty well with his head knock. He looked pretty bad on uh, Thursday night when he slipped into a tackle. What uh, caused him to drop the ball and then be removed, uh, taken out of the game and then not to return. Uh, it didn't look like he was ever going to return. It looked like a shocking shot. It was very... Not the actual shot being shocking as in must be sent off, um, just as in the way he landed on his head on the yeah. ANZ Stadium and the way he got up looking like a giraffe. <sighs> a little bit in the sense of the way a he was dazed, walking. Dazed giraffe. Giraffe. Yeah, look, um, hopefully he recovers well. Uh, I guess we'll talk about that uh, that incident a little bit more uh, when we get to the review of the game. Mm, yep, agreed. Uh, Jake Avarillo says uh, he hopes to be the starting 5'8 for Bulldogs next year, and he's willing to show Trent Barrett why he should be the starting 5'8. Uh, Marseille, only very young into his career altogether, but v- very, very young to his career at 5'8. Looks like he's doing a pretty decent job. <laughs> Doing a great job, and I think he's got a little bit of X factor about him. You don't want to put too much on players, but um, <laughs> but here I go. Um, he could be the next Terry Lamb. Don't want to put too much on players, <laughs> but put him down as arguably the greatest bulldog of all time. Yeah, look, I don't mean it in the fact that like he's going to be the greatest um um support player or play exactly like Terry Lamb plays. Just mean that he's got the potential, if he spends his whole career with the club, to become a player of that type of stature. He's got mm. the type of talent to do that, and he's got the level-headedness uh, at such a young age to be able to do that. To be able to um, be our most attacking option in attack at the age he is now. I remember last year, Scott, doing reviews of the Canterbury Cup, maybe him as our what was it? Young uh, Pup of the Week. And pup he, Watch, he won yeah. It, yeah, Pup Watch, and he, he won it um, multiple times that year. From the 20s was, and Cup. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we were watching his progression through those two grades, and now he's in the NRL doing similar things. So to be able to step up grades, big step between reserve grade and the NRL, and be able to do the same things, incredible. So his potential at this stage is limitless, and I'd love to see him as 5'8 next year especially if we have a, a like a really super good controlling half to mm. go into the halfback spot. 
Yeah, uh, I agree. I want to add to your compliments and uh, what you're saying about young Jake. He's the type of person as well that he did. Yeah. So and he didn't look bad at all. Yeah, he looked good. I thought he would have got a chance this year, but uh, not to be. Not to be. We've talked about uh, centers not being able to get a crack this year. Uh, previously, uh, next on the list, somebody that uh, you've met quite a few times, Scotty, Tim Lafayre. Oh. Uh, he's leaving after just a few months at the club after leaving Sir George Lawara earlier this year. Uh, first of all, you get to meet Tim. He's a terrific bloke. An absolute great young family man. Uh, you know, always got time for the fans. Uh, when he first bursted on, this is his second stint at Canterbury. I think it's a, diff- it's a weird one because, like you said, he's only been here for a few months for his second stint. But I think you've got to remember Tim for his first and his second stint. And I think he hasn't been too bad. He's came in. He scored against Melbourne. God, he loves scoring against Melbourne. That's his best strike rate <laughs> team. Uh, probably, I think he might have been cost due to we were looking to maybe add some speed into our outside backs. We've been known to be one of the slower clubs. Yeah, we need that, that position. Go on. So, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, he's probably been cut because of that. And uh, because his contract, it happened to expire that I think... He's just a little bit unlucky, but he's a terrific guy. I hope he finds an NRL club. He's good enough to be playing NRL week in and week out still. Yeah. So hopefully, I wish him all the best. He's a terrific guy. I think he is really consistent for us this year in the mm. limited game time. Jesse Sue as well. Two years. I'm very, um, I, I'm a bit confused about this one. I think he's been playing beautifully off the bench. I'd have to say he's probably been, uh, he's probably lost in a run off to a manga. Some young coming coming through or currently playing top grade at the moment. Uh, he's been impact. You've known this year when he's been on the field. Uh, you know, If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know I'm a massive fan of Jesse Sue, Soaso Sue. Uh, another terrific bloke off the field as well. Uh, hope he finds a, an NRL club because he would be a good impact player off the interchange bench. I'll tell you that much. Uh, next on the list, uh, young Jack Cogger. That's a bit upsetting, uh, while he hasn't been the best in season 2020, I still think there is potential in Jack Hogger to become a really, really good halfback. And when you compare him to someone like Lewis, he streaks ahead. Agreed. I think Jack Hogger, unfortunately, been a little bit unlucky again. Contract expiring this year, and Lachlan was able to jag a year at the start of the season. I'd have loved to see it actually play out through the season. And if both of them were playing for a contract, I'd I think Lachlan's name would be there and Jack would be signed. Unfortunately, Wakeham, Wakeham's been signed. Trent Barrett must think he's the future at Canterbury or got the best chance of being the future. Lock, like I said, Lachlan has already signed. I agree, Jack Cogger is strengths ahead when he's running, kicking, all-round game. Uh, I think he's been really good this year. I just don't think he was given the opportunity. He gets two matches in halfback and then he's gone after a, a poor last 20 minutes, really, and... Yep. So I wish him the best as well. Absolutely. Uh, and the next on the list is uh, Kerrid Blue Eyes Holland. Um, look, I, I've enjoyed watching him play. He's, he's had his knocks throughout his time with us, and rightfully so at times. Uh, overall, I've enjoyed him being in our, being in our club. However, um, this is probably the type of change you probably want to see from a club at the bottom of the ladder looking to add a bit more spark into the outside backs to help us propel up that competition ladder. So thank you to 
whole lot of everything is done for the club, uh, but it's probably a move that is required. 100% agree. Uh, you Again, I just want to highlight the fact that in his first game, the match winner against Penrith Panthers at Panthers Stadium, getting booed, a, a goal kick near the sideline. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I was always going over. <laughs> I was about to say it. I was about to say it. he cops a bit of flack for that. Uh, he's had some good moments at Canterbury. Not, I'm not saying it was all at the start. He had a really good game against Melbourne last year. That try against Canberra this year, he's got some really good highlights that he should be proud of. But like you said, it's that time where we need to make uh, get some new different type of outside back play, some bit of speed, a bit of additional spark. And this decision has to be made, unfortunately. And next person, I think the same applies. Marcelo Montoya. I think the same that I just said about Holland applies to Montoya. Well, this one hurts a little bit because he's a Bulldogs junior. And he's played 50 uh, games for the club. So, again, wish him all the best of finding a new... That's professional sport, unfortunately. Uh, and then we've got the two left, uh, Kieran Foran, who uh, we're all expected to leave after the signing of Blake Green and his comments in the media. Uh, I don't think he's had a... Uh, we might have had one or two, but overall, every game he's played has been a good one. Uh, and he's, he's, he's a half in the NRL that has some real class about him, despite uh, the injury concerns. Yeah, he's a great runner, uh, tough competitor. Part of me is a little bit happy in the sense of the 1.2 million reported salary cap figure he's got attached to him is now available for elsewhere. But the thing I get disappointed with is Kieran Foran is the start of the year when he was saying he owes everything to the club, he'll take anything and then reject the offer because it wasn't long enough. I mean, that's not really taking everything. But in saying that, he's always played tough, hard, and we look like a better team when he's on the field, especially in the attacking sense. And hold back the tears, Scotty. The biggest player to leave the club at the season's end is um, club legend. I think we could say that about him now. Aidan Tolbert. This one's sad. This one actually... I was reading it at work when the, they put the team list Tuesday on, and I actually started to feel sick. <laughs> but like that much impact he's had at the club. He will go to break Steve Price's record this week. He'll go to 222, which will go take him above Steve Price in the all-time games played for the Bulldogs. I mean, he was the 12th Bulldogs player to play 200-plus games for the club. Uh, he's played front row. I actually think, I mean... He's been actually one of our better performing forwards. I, I think he's our best forward at the moment. I don't know. I would have kept him. But in saying that, I'm a massive Tolman fan. I you love Aiden Tolman fan. Yeah, I love Aiden. You do. Uh, I think he's had a bit of a poor season this year. Oh, he had a good start, didn't he? He had a really good start to the season. Uh, he's come good the last couple of games. In the middle, he's been a bit poor. I think last year, he was a bit down at times as well. But 200 games with the club. He's played in some amazing, like some really high-profile games uh, when we were doing really well. Uh, people are quick to forget um, just how good players are uh, when they get in their mind. There's been a lot of like social media hate on Tolman this year and kick him out of the club and good that he's leaving, all that sort of stuff, which is like bullshit, really. Um, but for what what he's done for our club uh, over 200 games, played in grand finals. Um, really been a leader of our squad. I think all we can say is uh, thank you, Tolman, and mm. hope the future looks after you. Can I add on to this 
Jill of Aiden Tolman. Um, I've like you said, adding to this, Jake Avrilo said earlier this year he had to pinch himself with the likes of playing with Aiden Tolman and Josh Jackson in the side. Matt Dury goes, you kind of get uh surreal going into the sheds and then walking running out to the field and then you've got Josh Jackson on the field and Aiden Tolman. These are young Bulldogs boys like pinching themselves like he's such a respected member and to finally finish it, Andrew Ryan said it best when Aiden Tolman collected his uh two hundredth game for the club last year and Andrew Ryan presented the jersey and spoke about how he came the Aiden Tolman's first year at the club was Andrew Ryan's last year at the club. Very crazy. And he compared him to the likes of, you know, your Teddy Grimaldi's, your Marco Mealy in the sense, Brent Schell and Hazelmore Madri, is that the sense that when he's in the dressing room, you know he's giving 110% is minimum what Aiden Tolman gives every week. And if you can't give 100% back, you've known you've let down people like Aiden Tolman. He should make you want to be a better player because he, you know when he leaves the, the field, He's got nothing left to give. He's a real uh, genuine guy too. Spoken to him a few time, a few times, met him a few times. He's not one of those people that, how do you put this, edit themselves because of who he's around. Mm. <laughs> he's a very genuine bloke as well. So, so thanks, Aiden. All right, next up, Scotty. Well, Bulldogs versus South Sydney. We spoke about it. We thought last week we had no chance. Full-time score, Canterbury Banks down 26, defeat South Sydney 16. You say last week we thought we had no chance. Up until the 70 million, I thought we were no chance. Oh, at some stage, yeah, here we go, here we go. The You know, the couple they're tries. They're coming, yeah. They're coming. They look good. I mean, I have to give a massive rap to Will Hopper-Whitey. He saved a try against uh, Cartwright, Jed Cartwright, uh, Yep. Don't know how he did it. Uh, he got it to the outside. He just got, pinched the ball. It was like a pocket. Uh, watch your pockets and hoppers line. around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should probably say a scoreline. It's got the Bulldogs win. The Bulldogs win 26 16. You did say it, did you? Must you want been. to say it again? Should we oh, say it just, Let's just keep saying it. Bulldogs 26, <laughs> Rabbitohs 16. I think that might be the title of this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. Do you want to run so, through the match summary? Uh, yeah, just quickly, uh, try scorers Lafayette Smith, Vitala Mariner, and uh, well, that's Remus and Chris Smith on the, the try scoring list. Uh, Aberrell like, kicked three goals, Wakeham, uh, or sorry, should I say three conversions and a penalty. Wakeham got a conversion as well. Um, for Souths, Joseph Paulo scored a very controversial try. Uh, Campbell Graham and Alex Johnson and Reynolds kicked two from three conversions. Now you say controversial try. Yeah, let's get can into you, it. Can explain to me live. What did you think live? I thought it was a try. Sitting in the stands watching it, um, when it happened, uh, it looked like a try. Uh, wingers these days are so good at staying in from the sideline. Um, so when they went over across that corner, I was, I was a bit, uh, my heart sunk a little bit because straight away my first thought was, here comes South Sydney. <laughs> Uh, to come win the game, uh, take it off the Bulldogs, as we've seen many times this year. Um, but I didn't really question it until the first replay. Mm. And then mm. I've gone on the big street, oh, was that out? And then looked at it again and gone, yeah, he was out. Um, oh, well, there's potential rule change out of it, Scotty. The uh, NRL's announced that the trialing some 
potential uh, rules in a couple of dead rubber games this week. Uh, one of them is uh, the referees, if they think it's a try, will award a try in the bunker review or try scoring uh, plays before the conversion is taken. So I think that's come directly from this incident. Uh, Paulo had his foot out on the dead ball line, on the touch and goal line, as he, or seconds before he grounded the ball, mm. uh, which wasn't seen live. I must say, I am proud as punch for the Bulldogs. There's so many times there's a call gone against us this year. Not, there's been so many times where a 50-50 call has gone against us, and we've let that be a reason we've lost the game or let another team in. Yeah, we let Souths was able to build on after that. Yeah, they scored but, another try six minutes later and went to the break at 16-10, I believe. But we just didn't. We still won. No, sorry, it was 20-10. to 10. Yeah, 20-10. Yeah, yeah, we still <laughs> won. Right. I know it was Josh Jackson's 200th NRL game, so a massive congrats to the skipper. But we still won. It, one of the uh, criticisms I've had to make of this year, summarising the years, when things go against us... It snowballs and gets out of control. Yeah, it snowballs, and we see it as an excuse. We go, yep, yeah, but that call in the 50th minute. Yeah. But we still have 30 other minutes or whatever, or the call in the first half that changed the flex. Yes, it does that. But uh, I was actually listening to a podcast with Andy Raymond Unfiltered and Matt Scott, and one of the things, my favourite things he said in that was Paul Green, first thing he walked in the club when he was at the Cowboys was saying, you've got to cut that crap out. You do not let a team in that position, and if you lose it because of a call... You should have struck them out earlier. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to take the hands out of the judges, mm. take the result out of the judges' hands, and win by a knockout. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a bit different because that was related to the conspiracy theories about the Sydney NRL not winning <laughs> Cowboys. Yeah, in the I grand do agree, final. But, but I do like, like that idea. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've spoke about it earlier. Uh, Lachlan Lewis going off for HIA. Looked like, live from the game, looked like a beautiful shot, well-timed. Uh, looked like Lachlan Lewis just, unfortunately, what well, he did, unfortunately, land on his head in the yeah. situation. So much so, Ashley Klein, the referee, caught live, caught a knock-on. Which Yeah, that's right. Which initial, I was pretty happy with. Initial call was knock-on. Uh, even watching the replays at the ground, I didn't see what was wrong with the tackle. It wasn't until I saw a still photo at half-time off Twitter that I could actually see contact with the head, with the uh, shoulder of the South City player. Unfortunately, Sua, he's hit him, Lachlan Lewis, in the head, based on the fact that Lachlan actually slipped before contact. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty harsh that he got sin binned. Yeah. I was happy with, like, a penalty. You hit someone in the head. Yeah, yeah. But you, these days, you can't make contact with the head. It's yeah, just, I just... Yeah. I just find it um, a little bit harsh, yeah, in that sense. But I was definitely. Definitely helped result, uh, affect the result, though, didn't it? Uh, first thing it did was take a player for South City off the field for 10 minutes. We scored a minute later, and it took away possibly one of our most underwhelming performing players in our yeah, squad, giving us attack, a huge yeah. benefit. Yeah, well, Wakeham looked good at that. I, I, I thought the team looked way better after Wakeham came onto the field into the halfback mm. than we did previously. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I'm yeah, I just I still think, like, I mean, I must say, it goes on to my actual next point, was, in a sense, how good was Henry Paranara in the video ref, or the bunker, sorry, I should say? Uh, let me rephrase that. Every single call that went to the bunker, we got a try from, from Henry <laughs> Paranara. So let's say that first. Oh, that's nice. Yep. Second of all, Corey Allen lost the try, 
because he pushed Jeremy Marshall King in the back. Uh, I was one of those ones where I could see that going either way. Because yeah. it was shoulder to shoulder, and then there was a hand. But Placed like, was, on the back, yeah. Yeah, and I could see that going either way. Like, I well, been... It could have been argued that it wasn't a push, it was a touch. Yeah, that's but what... I suppose it, if you take the letter of the law, you can't touch the other player without the ball, right? Yeah. But I, you yeah. can shoulder the shoulder, but you can't put your hand out and physically touch a player. So well, I think I technically been... it's a correct call. I wouldn't have been upset if Henry said that was a try. So first of all, we've got all those. The, the no try, which... You said technically it's the right call, but you couldn't argue the reason you lost is because of that. And finally, there was a position in the game where South Adam Reynolds kicked in the corner and Hopper Whitey shielded the ball out. Ashley Klein blew the whistle, sitting behind it. Quite it was a quiet part of the game, uh, as in the yep. crowd was, where the, the seven thousand odd people went a bit quiet because Souths were a little bit disappointed in the end of set. Kind of felt like the balloon was deflated by Souths. Ashley Klein blew his whistle and I could hear it clearly. He said 20 tap Canterbury. Screamed it out. Phil Henderson, who was the one who actually missed the, the touch, touch, touch court, yeah. yeah, who missed the actual out the ball, into touch, yeah. he bl- waved his flag and said, off Bulldogs, off Bulldogs. So yeah. Ashley Klein, he was, I think he did the right thing in the sense of, wait, I'm not in the best position. Yeah, he listened he to his touch. Listen. Yeah. And then Henry Paranari came in and said, no, Ashley, you were right. Take him back to the 20 and give him a 20 tap. So, <laughs> I mean... Every call, and then again, add to the Lachlan Lewis call, Henry Paranay reviewed the call, saw the still shot, like you said, shoulder to the to the jaw, jaw and the penalty. So I just want to... Yeah, um, <laughs> is that okay to praise the referee or a, a match? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. I, love, I love Henry. It's all good. Uh, I think the only other thing we need to mention about contributing to this victory was that we had a 92% completion rate to South 74%, which mm. meant that we completed 34 sets to South's 31, and that obviously contributed as well. It helped go a long way towards the victory. How many times did South Sydney lose the ball near a try-scoring situation? I think it was three or four times. If they scored on each of those occasions, they win 32, 36, 26. Mm, And it's unlike South. They had an off night. But again, Will Hopawadi in a great defensive effort. Uh, Damian Cook, even though this counts as a missed tackle to Aidan Tolman, caught Damian Cook. I I don't think he was expecting that. In the sense where he yeah. was getting offloaded and Tolman jumped on him and he threw the ball back out. Uh, Josh Jackson's made, I think, three or four try savings or very close, or leading to a try tackles as well. But one more point I have to make is at the game, I don't know if you remember this, I tapped you on the shoulder, as we'll see next to each other, and said, Josh Jackson's standing at prop. Aiden Tolman's standing up on the field. This was off a restart. Yeah, so South Sydney's kicked the ball off. That's right, we actually had a discussion, didn't we, between us two and the the other two people that were with us were saying, oh, Tom has gone for a bit of a rest, and uh, Jackson looks like he's going to take the hit up here off the kickoff. And then South Sydney, I don't know if they could see it. I mean, to be fair, Josh Jackson's played a bit of the middle this year, so not the most uncommon thing to have your... Yeah. Second rower, maybe, especially a long-serving prop like Tolman, who's played, will play so many minutes, giving him like a, a little quick break whilst he's still on the field. They kicked it to Josh Jackson. I said, wait a second, something might happen here. And Jay Nockenball has made a line break. Yeah, throws a cutout pass to the winger. South's come in, uh, condense the defensive line off the kickoff. Pass over the top to Ockenball and down the field he goes. Should we look at the highlighted players? Yes, uh, let's do it. Uh, I've got six here, so I'll do two of those. I've got some points, so I'll do my four. Then I'll let you do any that I missed out on, and then we'll give our 
points for the Player of the Year award from this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I've gone with... I'll start at the bottom of my, bottom of my list. Sioni Katoa. I've actually wanted to highlight this week. He um, played 51 minutes, but nine runs for 77 metres. 33 post-contact metres and 30 tackles off the bench. I think that's a performance that deserves a mention there. Agreed. That was uh, really good. Uh, he came on early, uh, earlier than expected because of the HIA to Jeremy Marshall King with a bit of friendly fire from Raymond Fatal and Mariner. But uh, we look good with him on the field as well. Some can say that... We did. Mm-hmm. I, I really I really had a big rap on Catala before he came to the Bulldogs, so I'd like to see him be able to be utilised more next year, especially under the new coach, Trent Barrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played hooker and lock as well. You mentioned Raymond Fatal Mariner there. Yep. He's the next one on my list. <laughs> 19 runs, 143 metres, one line break and 33 tackles. Another solid performance by RMF. What a season. RMF. What a season he's been having. Every Absolutely. week, if he's not getting a point, he's up there in the talking the talking points this year. Absolutely. The next player I've got is Josh Jackson, Mr. 200 after his performance the week before. But uh, Chris Smith, he played 48 minutes. He scored his first NRL try. Uh, yeah. So congratulations. Congratulations, yep. 10 runs, 99 metres. I mean, couldn't someone just give him an extra metre to make it the perfect 100? <laughs> but two tackle breaks and 16 tackles. He did everything he wanted. Good locks performance. A good day out in the office, I would say. Absolutely. All right, is it time for points? It's time for points. You know the All points. Right. I'm going to give the first one out. Yep. Because you mentioned one of these players already. Yeah, go for it. So I'm not going to add any additional stats. It's Mr. 200. Josh Jackson gets one point. One point for you for Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. All righty. We'll put that down on the database list. Aiden Tolman for me gets one point. Um, we've talked about him leaving at the end of the season, but 24 runs for 232 metres, 101 post-contact metres, one tackle break, 46 tackles. Incredible performance. You just got to stand and cheer, as Steve Allen would say. I mean, yes, I've actually thought that performance was so good. He was my number two. Two points. Two He's points a... for you for Aiden Tolman. Just so the you... one thing... Sorry. Oh, no? I was going to say the one thing to add was at the end of the game, for those who might have left a little bit earlier in the sense of after full time, he walked across, he led the boys across to the Bulldogs fans, obviously being COVID safe, with it fenced off, going to the corner and behind the goalpost. For those who didn't see Aiden Tolman, he could barely walk. He was hobbling. He was struggling. He was, I think, but he led the boys. He made sure the boys came with him to clap the fans. Yeah. I mean, it's the guy's been told he's not wanted next year or he's not part of the future plans, yet he still got time to thank the fans. Uh, came across. A lot of the boys got stuck in the corner section of ANZ Stadium. Aiden came down, holding onto the fence, kid you not, pulling himself across stopping towards the middle where we were sitting behind the goalpost and then giving a massive clap to the Bulldogs fans in that section as well before continuing his walk to make sure he covered as much Bulldogs fans as possible and thanking them. Uh, also, Raymond Fatale and Manor, quite the character as well, by the way. But what it's a legend. It's great to see them do that for the fans at any point, but especially after the season we've had <laughs> and the fans are turning up still, uh, regardless of the fact that we've only won two games leading into that. So fantastic to see. Also, a little bit off topic, but that game was the first time I've sat directly behind the post. We went up a little bit higher in the stands to get our, um, we've talked about it before, 
the aerial view of the field. They yeah. were good seats. I was surprised at how good those seats were up from behind the post. We're up on the second, I guess, the, the higher part of the bowl. But sitting there, we could see the entire field. Uh, nothing was blocked or uh, we're, high, we're high enough to see everything that was happening on the field. So anyone that says ANZ Stadium is a bad venue, like I just, I, I agree that it needs to be upgraded. But anyone that says it's a like bad venue and you can't see anything from where you're sitting, maybe change your seats because <laughs> wherever I've sat ANZ, as long as I've, I've had I've had enough height to get an aerial, an aerial view, I've been able to see most of the field. It was How good. do you find it? Yeah, good perspective. I was going to add to that. There's really good text you see more of Will Hopawati, which you don't get to see on TV. And I think maybe why he's highly rated in the fullback position. Again, seeing fullbacks and fullbacks with yeah. what they do. But watching Hopawati run across the field like he did, you can see him talking, pointing which way he wanted his offensive players to go. I thought he was brilliant, and he saved a few tries himself. So he's another rap there for Will. He's um, But like I said, like it was good to see both sides. It's a different... A slightly different view of the game, yeah. Of what we know so much, but it was a it was a uh, good experience. We've sat in those seats at Bank West, so like just as oh, good, yeah. just as good at Bank West behind the post. Mm. Uh, ANZ is as long as you got a little bit of height about you. Anyway, agreed. agreed. Uh, Tolman got two points for you, one point for me. That means he gets a bonus point on the overall Player of the Year awards. It'll take a big performance to get two points over Tolman. We're going to fight it to make some suspense, don't we? I'm giving my two points out from last week, sir. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I thought this guy actually had uh, a fantastic performance. Uh, the best performance I've seen him play. Uh, Jaden Lockenmore, two points, 19 runs, 236 metres, 102 post-contact metres, one try assist, one line break assist, two line breaks and two tackle breaks. Incredible was... performance there by Jaden Lockenmore. And a bit surprised to see him not getting a bonus point. Mm. I was gonna, I was going to highlight him, but I knew... Two points, so I wanted you to do that. I'm going to say this about Jaden Ockenball. He was that damn good. If he played like that in any match, I think almost for the season, he would have got my two points. Hands down. There's some players in performance who's been given a point or two points who didn't deserve it as much as he did, but unfortunately he doesn't get it due to, I think, my Josh Jackson and Aiden Tolman. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, Scotty. What do we got? We've got Old Dog. We haven't had right. it in a while. Uh, Let's go back to the guessing. A former, okay. a former Panther, a former Bulldog. I will say some more formers, but you'll probably get it. Uh, Frank Pritchard. Well, you don't need to say any more former Bulldog. <laughs> Anything else, because it's Frank. The Tank Pritchard. Playing with the Panthers from 2003 to 2010. A very good uh, era for Penrith, especially those early 2000s, like Canterbury. Uh he was actually the 18th man in the grand final in 2003. Yeah. Remember, rewind your... Yeah, he was a young talent coming through then. Beating his the first year. Penrith Panthers, upsetting the Roosters in 2003. Then the following year, Bulldogs did the same thing. So it was a pretty nice thing for both those Western Sydney clubs. Uh, he came to Canterbury in 2011-2015. I actually remember this Yep. signing. It was a bit of a mixed one with the fans. Yeah, well... Of... He did really well at Penrith, but I don't know. When he came across, uh, he was the type of player that you only could imagine at the team that they're at. That makes sense. He played such a long time at Panthers. What is it? Three, six, eight years at Penrith. You'd expect him to be like uh, a one-club player 
Uh, mm. he, did, he did well. He had ups and downs. Um, but he, he was there for their success. And it turns out he was there for our success. And uh, I think once he started performing on the field, those doubts and question marks were removed fairly quickly. Yeah, uh, it was... Because oh, I remember it was a noodle scratcher and people were like, you know, inconsistent. You know, was it someone we needed? Especially after two thousand. I think he added a good... Uh, I suppose he added some spark to our back row. Yeah. I felt like our back row was quite solid, like, you know, and added a good foil to, like, someone like Josh Jackson coming through the grades at the time. We need someone like him now. Yeah. <laughs> like, him and Sam Cassiano, the Beard Brothers, the Bash Brothers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, they led our pack for such such a while there. And it was such a good mix, having Tolman, Graham, Cassiano, Pritchard, people like Jackson, Halitau, Stag. I know yep. there was a few came and gone and there's different periods and there's little different periods, but it was such a good mix of everything. You had you, your bi- big I runners. It, yep. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, when we did the top five of each position and stuff like that uh, last off-season, you made my second row list. So I rate him very highly. Actually, yeah, I think he made your second row list. Didn't he make it number one? Yeah, a bit of a surprise selection there. The funniest thing is I remember that episode actually quite well because he made my number five. So he made my top five list too. And I said, maybe a controversial start, Frank Pritchard. And you're probably sitting there like, oh, because we had no idea which each person. Yeah, picked. each person's list. Yeah. When we you said it was like, controversial to have him in fifth. It's like, well, I'm about to blow you out of the water of controversy. And and you did. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we but, were in charge of doing our own research and then picking yeah, our list. And, then... look, and the thing is, I think we said this during those episodes. It's personal preference. So I don't mm. think there's a right call or a wrong call or whatever. Um, you know, I really enjoyed watching Frank Pritchard play second row for the Bulldogs. So, well, 104 games, 20 tries. Uh, he played with the, the Morris brothers as well towards the end of that little stint. The Bulldogs was good edge. Sam Cassiano uh, was featured in the 2012 grand final loss and the 2014 grand final loss. Again, a lot of. Uh, our success in the back end of 2014, I think you could say, was a lot from Frank Pritchard and his performances, uh, especially in those final series where no one expected us to do anything. Yeah. Uh, the t- the leader of the song, he bought the team song over too, Frank the Tank. That's right. Stole the pillar of <laughs> the pillar of chair and brought it into the Bulldogs' rooms. Yeah, but the dogs are having a party. That's different to Panthers That's anyway. Uh, so he never got to win an NRL Grand Final. However, he went to to Hull FC. Hull FC, yep. And won the Challenge Cup Grand Finals. The oldest... 2016. Yeah, the oldest, most prestigious, I guess you can call it. He said he went there when he did to um to actually win that. I'm pretty sure he signed a two- or three-year deal. Yeah, he did. I remember that, because as soon as he won, he came home. Because yeah, that's the, why he wanted to go. Yeah, and then yeah. to play for Parramatta eight yeah. years. But the one thing I love about Frank, before we talk about his international career, which again, has highlights in its own, is that look at his Twitter page. Look at his Instagram page. He's actually wearing a Bulldog shirt. There you go. <laughs> Despite playing more games for Penrith, 144 to 104 at the Bulldogs, eight at Para and 26 at Hull FC, he's a Bulldog for and for. Mm. And that's because once a Bulldog, always a Bulldog. Uh, let's go through a few more of the games. Uh, NRL All-Stars in 2012. Um he played for New Zealand 27 times. It's tomorrow eight times. And I remember when he he um, 
because uh, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? He played well for New Zealand, absolutely. But then as the NRL grew more into the Pacific, as far as putting a focus on those national teams playing regularly, his passion that was on display while representing Toa Samoa uh, was incredible to watch. And I actually uh, got out to about, I think, three or four of those Pacific tests at night. And uh, it's just this like, incredible experience overall with the culture and, and everything that goes along with that. If you haven't been to a game of Tonga vs Samoa or Pro Fiji and Cook Islands and Papua New Guinea to see the emotion during the anthems and the pre-match war rituals, uh, pre-match game rituals. <laughs> mm. um, you know, absolutely incredible. But to see his passion when he put on that Toa Samoa jersey to lead his, um, his country was incredible. Who can forget... I want to add something, but who can forget the tri-saver and the, on the Gold Coast when they beat Tonga? Yeah. When I think Andrew Voss was commentating and he said, like, is this your two biggest wing and centre combination as a joke when Sam Cassiano and Frank Pritchard saved the day? Yeah. They threw their body on the line. Yeah, that was both, risking injury. It was cover cover defence in the corner, chasing the winger and the two people there, Frank Pritchard and uh, Sam Cassiano. It just goes to show the passion, the, the, the drive and the want to to win for the country. And, you know, a lot of people give a lot... This is a little bit off topic, Scott, but a lot of people give a lot of credit to... Tonga for injecting like more life into the international game, and 100%, I agree. You can't give them enough credit for what they've been able to do. They've been in Australia, Great Britain, and New Zealand in the last couple of years, and really have brought a whole lot of new fans to the international international rugby league. And those scenes at the World Cup from Auckland and Hamilton with uh, sold out crowds of Tongans with red dominating everywhere and the flags waving was incredible. But that all started with Pritchard and Cassiano at Samoa. They didn't have the, the, the same heights as Tonga has gone on to have, but that was the, the wheel turning. Well, the first thing I want to say is I'm going to say I hate you. Because you were going to mention it. <laughs> exactly was my next point I was going to mention was that a lot of, like, you know, I was going to say a lot of credit for Tonga was being given to Tonga for people like, for, like bringing in Fafida, Tamalalo. And like coming into Tonga and making the squad and beating all those high nations, but the first person to choose to play, I suppose, when they will yeah, to really to call them to a minnow, yeah, was Frank the Tank Pritchard. Then he recruited Sam Cassiano because remember Sam Cassiano was very young, at the prime of his career. He was yeah, he New Zealand. just got picked for New Zealand. I think he only had a couple of games and he gave up on that to go to uh, Samoa. Yeah, to follow Frank, like you could tell that you know it was. Frank was a really close friend and he really looked up to Frank, but he pulled Sam Cassiano and Sam Cassiano at his best. Uh, I don't think there's anyone less you wanted to tackle in the NRL than Sam Cassiano yeah. running at you at full steam ahead. You've got to remember, this was around a time where Samoa was constantly defeating all other Pacific Island nations. And uh, around the same time, I think it was 2013 World Cup. Uh, was that? Yeah, 2013 in the UK, I believe it was. Um, where they went within two tries of beating New Zealand, 36-24. Mm. I think that's also yes. the, the game that Sonny Bill Williams falls over the dead ball line trying to score for New Zealand. <laughs> I do. I, I find that funny. Uh, but one of my favourite moments of Frank the Tank, Pritchard at Canterbury, who could forget the 2015 team song, right on the hill, right in front of us. It felt like Frank was right in line with us. 
a couple of metres back. First game back in Belmore. The return to Belmore, the original return to Belmore match. The Bulldogs ambush the storm. And Frank sets off the team song, gets the, the boys. Obviously, they planned it, but he's got the boys along right in front of the hill and decides yep. to bash out the dogs are having a party. And did it with uh, 20,000 fans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe not 20,000 on the hill alone, but uh, the hill was packed. And uh, to be, we were right on that spot, really, on the hill, mm. weren't we? When, uh, it was almost like we were invited to join the team with the, in the team song. It was incredible. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure I linked up with so many people I didn't know. As in the sense of like, it just felt like everyone grabbed each other. It was kind of like the, <laughs> the manly finals game. Oh, sorry, but it felt like like the manly finals game. Yeah, you just started high fiving and hugging people that people, you yeah. you don't know. They, yeah. they started singing the team song there, and then people wrapped your arm around you. Yeah, like, yeah, that's like right. you were part of the NRL squad where they where if you watch the team song, which I'm sure everyone who listens to this must be a passionate fan, oh, so they know. Bouncing, yeah. yeah, so they know the team song. And they know they link with each other when they're singing the dogs are having a party. Hit that stage, some guy to my left, because you're on my right, if I remember correctly, just right. grabs his grabs onto me and pulls me <laughs> into one direction. I think I pull onto you, then everyone's just linked with each other. Yeah. I don't know the guy to my left. The guy behind me is like, you know, tapping on the shoulder, like jumping up and down. Like it was just off. It's one of the best games. <laughs> I mean, that, that finish as well, like the actual Highlight where you, you said, like you said, invited into it's almost like you're invited into the sheds where you've been asked to yeah. lead it out with Frank Pritchard or you've been asked to stand just, next to your just favorite to be, player. Just to be involved with it. Mm. Uh, I think that's a good way to wrap up. Old dog Scotty, let's go to the socials and wrap up the episode. Uh, on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs Fans, we do have Instagram. By the way, must say, well, we did hit Instagram, over 400 followers. So thank you very much if you're following us on Instagram at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Uh, we have a Facebook page too. Uh, you would have seen that posted through the week on the page, but give us a like, give us a follow, give us a comment. Uh, NRL, well, NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. It's got our podcast logo there. Uh, more content about our podcast and everything. So be nice. Also, flick us an email, nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com. We forgot to do it, Scotty, but Bulldogs versus Panthers this week. What's going to happen? Real quick. Oh, we win. Aiden Thomas' <laughs> final game, we win. There you go. Uh, Penrith have the rest of as many players as I think you were hoping, Scotty. Uh, Cleary and Lua in the halves. The pack's pretty strong. I think the Bulldogs are no hope this week, just like last week. <laughs> Tom and the score a try and a goal kick. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye.